Marketing Made Easy, the podcast on this episode. And then we finally did make it to Agar Hungary and I got locked in their grandma's bathroom and she only speaks Hungarian. And of course my Hungarian was limited to um, thank you and this is good which does not cover I'm trapped in your bathroom. And she said the door hadn't been locked in like 20 years. And I was like, well, it's locked now. So I don't know what to tell you. Now here are your hosts from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello, welcome to another week of Marketing Made Easy by the Get Savvy Club. I'm Anita Baldwin and I'm here with Anna Geary. And, Hello. Um, oh, she can speak as well. Hello. And uh, this week we are interviewing Becky Duncan from over in Chicago. We met Becky when she um, wrote some of our copy for us, um, our sales pages, and did a fantastic job. And uh, she's also done a masterclass in our academy. She's an awesome copywriter because she doesn't just write the copy, but she takes the time to kind of understand behind. Anyway, it's all in there. Anyway, she does. She's got some great tips for you. So she's got. Um, A great tip which will tell you if you only do one thing in your copy to make it more successful, do this one thing. And basically, she's got some great tips and uh, talks about tips quite a lot as well. And a great line I put down to a load of uh, men when she was in corporate saying, I won't be typing it with my tits. So thanks for the offer, but no, (laughs) you can find out where that came from. Um, Awesome interview. I really enjoyed doing it. So let's get into it. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. We have with us the lovely Becky Duncan. How are you today? I'm doing awesome. Well, it's actually really early for you, isn't it? I'm in Chicago, Illinois in the States. Yeah. And yeah, this is, it's 8.30-ish my time. And it's, uh, yeah, this is, I feel like I've been up a long time. Like this is the prime moment of the day for me. So you're going to get the good stuff from me. You're going to get the good. I feel like that. If I have to do anything like after half nine at night, it's just just like. You need me to sleep at 9.30 at night. I'm great at that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. But nothing else. Becky, do you want to just tell us a bit about what you do, who you are? I grew up on a farm. Um, I went to graduate school for art. I then moved to Chicago and uh, started working for the park district, uh, which was a it w- which is a lovely job. You work in a park and you you know teach a variety of classes and whatnot. But I realized pretty early on that I'm just not cut out to work for somebody else. It's just not. It was a creatively stifling job, uh, and I just realized like I can't live the rest of my life like this. So I decided I wanted to start my own business. I didn't know what I wanted it to be. Um, I did a lot of odd things online for a long time. And eventually, not that kind of odd. <laughs> like I, I started out and I considered for a short while being a life coach, but I would be I'm the Dr. Phil of life coaches. Like I, people would be like telling me really sensitive things. I'd be like, yeah, how's that working out for you? Like it's just <laughs> not, not the career for me. <laughs> then I got very lucky. I um, uh, met this woman at a, at a in-person class on how to start up an online business. And she was running a year long mastermind that teaching women, like how to get their businesses going and learning how to sell. And she was impressed with me and I couldn't afford her class. And she let me into a year long mastermind with her for free. Wow. Yeah. That was really very just fortuitous, generous, all kinds of isses there. And we met, I think once a week 
and you know there would be like a homework assignment and you know she'd go over your stuff with you and every week I would show up and I would have like a spreadsheet it would be like here's the link to this thing you asked for and here's this thing I'm working on and she was always like wow you're so organized <laughs> and she said you're like and she never once brought up the fact that I wasn't paying her she was very kind about treating me exactly the same as everybody else but I was always keenly aware of it and so I wanted to make sure that I made the most of that opportunity and she was said like you're you know of all the people in this class like you're the one that's doing like you know the most work which I've since learned when you give people things for free, Which they often strange. don't. I was just about to say yeah. that usually you yes. give away a free, you know, like a free, yes. um, maybe they win it in a competition or something. And then like, they just don't put the work yeah. in. So it's all about yeah. like, actually you got to charge. So yeah. But whatever she saw in you was obviously right, wasn't it? Well, fast forward to the end of the program. And she said, I want to hire you to come on and be my business manager. Cause she was notoriously disorganized. And I, you know, didn't really have a, a gig going. And I said, okay. And I thought maybe I'd be one of those professional VAs or business manager kind of thing. And when I say I managed her business, I mean, I did everything, which looking back, what a joy to be able to tell one, we would meet every morning at 8am virtually, of course, and have like a 10 or 15 minute call. And I would say, here's what your day is going to look like. What do you need from me? And she would give me things to do and I would just do them and they'd be done. What a joy to do, to be able to do that. And to tell someone just set up the sales funnel and I would do everything. I would write the pages, the emails, I would even design the documents. I would put them in her CRM. I would hook it all. Like I did everything for her. Yeah, that's awesome. I'd love someone like that for us. Even in the emergency room once or twice. And she would be like, can you do my webinar? And I'd be like, sure. And I would just do her webinar. Like looking back, I'm like that, like that's the gig you want. And I held that job down for like two, I think two years, maybe longer. I don't remember. But by the time I was done and I was like, I could run any business, anything, masterminds, webinars, anything, I can do it. And in working for her, I figured out like, oh, I'm really good at writing copy and really good at like cutting through the crap and getting to like, what is this thing that we need? And so um, I started helping people start up their own businesses. And then for me personally, the fun part was always the copy, like figuring out who you're writing for. And then eventually my business just evolved to um, giving people feedback, which is what I really do. And then showing them like, here's how to write copy that people will actually connect with and that motivates them to want to work with you. And that actually means something isn't just, you know, that drivel that you see online all the time. See, that's what I like about, because you wrote our sales copy, which is how we know you, but it's not just, well, here's a brief, here's what I'm trying to write. It's getting to underneath that, who are you talking to and what are their motivations? And not a lot of copywriters do that. If you can crack into those things that your ideal client can't even admit to herself in the mirror, your job is done. You're, I mean, you've got it. You'll be able to connect with them. You'll be able to convince them that you can help them. You'll be able to work with them because everybody just wants to be understood. And if you can write in a way that lets them know that you understand them, that you've won their trust. And you got to keep it by actually, you know, doing a good job. But yeah, it, there's so much, you can work with anybody. Why do they want to work with well, you? Well, there's so much noise as well, isn't there? So much, you know, you could read one bit of copy, copy and the next thing you know, like, something's popped up over there and then you got distracted over there. So you have like second, like nanoseconds to capture them to continue Mm -hmm. reading the rest of it. So when we work with people, one of the things that we kind of have to show them, which is sound really obvious to you, but like 
the spacing of a post, for example, like if the amount of people that just puke out their like post on social media and just whack it out and we're like no 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 you know who's going to want to they're just going to look at that big clump of copy and just check out they're not even going to read the first line because it's just so overwhelming and then that that even just at the most basic level is something that people kind of overlook and i still see people do it now and i think oh gosh and and people that i know that i'm like friends with and they don't really post but it would do loads and i'll say hey that was great what you posted but what have you thought about just you know to help them but they're like yeah yeah and then the next time they just do it again you think so it's the fundamental difference isn't it between what do you want to say to somebody and what do they want to hear and those two things aren't the same are they to me what i am saying is so clear but then you have to be able to stand on the other side and understand how they hear it too. Yeah. And that, that can be a challenge to, because it's just a challenge to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and to unthink of it the way that you see it and try to hear it and see it the way that they do. That can be a challenge. As you ladies know, my, I always have people interview their ideal clients mm. so that they can get a glimpse of how it's heard and how it's seen on the other side. So what would your be like your top tip be on how to quickly build in like a piece of copy rapport with your ideal clients? So how to quickly build rapport with them. If you know, if you've only got limited, um, you know, obviously it's great if you've got time and you can build that relationship, but if you've you've got like a snapshot of time to to capture them, what would your like sort of top tips be? If you could only do one thing differently to create more magnetic copy. I would tell you to use your ideal client's exact words. Now, obviously I would love for you to talk about pain points, talk about benefits and understand what that actually means to your ideal clients. But if you can only do one thing, it would be to use your ideal client's exact words. When you talk to me about my problem and my dreams and my struggles in my words, you are letting me know that you are my people and that you understand me. And that is what people want. And you're also letting me know you're an expert. Well, she obviously knows what she's doing. She's seen other people Mm -hmm. like me. She's either been here herself or she's worked with so many people that she understands what's going on. And you're building trust. And that is so valuable to be able to do, to demonstrate that you're an expert that I can trust. I can't pay to make that happen. It's something that you have to do. So by using your ideal client's exact words, even if you're terrible at writing copy, even if you're just not great at it, even if you have no understanding of how to demonstrate pain points or what their big benefits really are or how they see the problem, you're still doing a little overlap of all of those if you just use their exact words. And I mean exact. If you're a weight loss coach and I come to see you and I say, I've cut the carbs, I've done the Zumba, I've repeated the affirmations, and I'm still mushy in the middle. Like, what the heck is going on here? And you come back to me and say, you know, sure, Becky, I can help you. I can help you find a dietary and exercise program to help you fill <laughs> up. Like, yeah. what? Well, now you're better than me. Get away. Like, I, now I don't trust you. Yeah. You need to use their exact words so that they understand that you are their people. And of course, I don't mean you're totally going to fake it so you can get that sale. Mm. I mean, if you use those words in your copy, the people who speak that way are the ones that are going to feel connected to you and build that trust with you. People who don't speak that way will not have that connection with you. And that's good 
because they are not your ideal clients. When you are an expert and you know, and time and time again, we come across people that have, um, and someone we know actually, um, that like they're a nutritionalist and they've got the top, top coaching thing that you can possibly get to be like a nutritionist. Like they wear it like a badge and they love it. And they're like, oh, I've done all this. Well, no one really cares that you have that piece of paper that says that you know all about the macros and the this, that, and what's got vitamin A in it and what's going to help you. But that's not what they care about. But oftentimes people do get stuck in that kind of like, I'm more qualified now. I'm more qualified now. And it's like, no, no, they don't care how qualified you are. They care that you can help them. And that's why if you are saying that your ideal client is like anyone between the ages of 25 and 65, men and women, you're never going to be able to talk in their exact words, are you? Because they've got such a range of motivations and outcomes they're looking for that your copy would always be just bland and vanilla wouldn't it and not speak to anyone i'm sure there's a situation where the, maybe the age didn't matter or maybe the gender didn't matter but when you start telling me my ideal client is everybody like i don't want to work with you her as a, mm. as a copywriter i'm like nope red flag i don't want to work with this person because you don't have a you don't have a clear understanding of who your ideal clients are and how you help them and i just you're making my job so much harder. And there's proper resistance about it, isn't it? Because people think they're going to cut off their income by saying, I just want to work with this person. All those people will stop paying me. And it's not even the case, actually. If you talk directly to one ideal client, other people go, well, they're an expert in that. I might see if they can work with me as well. Because we all want experts, don't we? Yeah, I saw a, a trainer once. And I don't know if, if she did this on her own or if she had a, someone who helped her brand this or not. But it was at a gym. And of course, when you go to a gym, it's like, you know, we've got 10 trainers. Who do you want? And like, this is Jim Bob. He works with everybody. And then there was one woman who said uh, she only worked with new moms and she had a program called Mama Wants Her Abs Back. Oh, and yeah. I was like, nice. Mama never had any abs on me. <laughs> I never- <laughs> Mama wants someone else's abs back. I don't even have, like, this is, she's not even speaking to me. And I was like, can I be in that class? Cause that's, yeah. that I was like, she, and she was killing it. And she of course had niched down to like new moms and you know, she probably, maybe she had that fear when she first started of like, I'm cutting out all men. I'm cutting out all childless women, like she, all teenagers, all people who are older, but she was killing it. And I was like, yeah. of course she's killing it because every single person who hears that is like, Oh, I, I know exactly what she's saying. But what I think we're getting into now is about how the human brain works, isn't it? And what motivates us is an outcome and a vision um, and seeing ourselves in this bit we want to be at. And then it's not about that journey. It's about trying to get there. And then you're more likely to do the journey if you really buy into that outcome vision. Yeah, copywriting is, and I say this all the time and when I do feedback for people, copywriting is all about painting a picture of what their life is going to be like after they work with you. And if you can get them, if you can make that painting and keep them looking at it, good. You've done a fantastic job. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. I love the puzzle of it really, because, you know, there's only like 26 letters of the alphabet, aren't they? And you put them together in a certain way and there's only like so many words, but you can either put them together the right way and have everybody want to work with you and throw money at you, or you can put them together in the wrong way and just see tumbleweed. And actually your product 
or your offering doesn't need to change and your market might be nailed. It's just those 26 letters you've got to put together in the right way, which is so hard to do when you're staring at a blank piece of paper. Because we've all I mean, worked like where we have like somebody in the same industry that is us that's nowhere near as good at doing that thing that yeah. maybe we are or whatever, but they, oh they're God, killing it just yeah. because they've marketed, they've just positioned yeah. it. In a, a different way, you know, like... Or in corporate, we've all worked with an utter asshole who's been promoted over us just because they shout about how great they are all the time, whereas yours, beavering away, actually being great. But if you're not talking about it, nobody knows. Right, yeah. that, I was so bad at the politics. That's one of the reasons that I was like, yeah. I can't be here forever. Because I couldn't I- kiss people's asses. That yeah. was my problem. I was, I couldn't, I couldn't play the game. I just couldn't play the game. I couldn't. I was, I was once somehow put on this committee to to form a kickball tournament. That's the job I, I worked in. It was like, I worked for the, I worked in recreation. So we got told all the time, you're getting paid to play, and. I got put on this committee for a kickball tournament. I was the only woman and I was definitely the low man on the totem pole. And at the first meeting, they, they came up with this idea and they gave me again, the lowest ranking person in the room, this job of, I had to drop the rules for the whole tournament. And I was like, like, that's a huge undertaking. And we didn't get any office time at this job. Like your job was to be on the field or in the park, in the classroom with the kids all the time. You were, you were, didn't get time to go into the office and type up lesson plans or anything, but somehow magically they still had to get done. Yeah. And so this was basically like hours of work that I was tasked to do outside of my job for which I would not be paid. And so, and all of these guys were at the level where they were no longer in classrooms. They had the time mm-hmm. to draw this up, but of course they don't want to do it. So they put it on me and I was up for a promotion. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to suck it up and do this. So I did the whole thing and I was so bitter about it that about two thirds of the way through, I put in a rule that said, if one of the kids kicked a home run, they would get to keep the the head guy's car. Cause I was like, I just want to see if they're even reading these rules. So I, <laughs> type up the rules and I send them to everybody on the committee. And then at the next meeting, everyone's basically like, Oh, these rules are brilliant. These, these are great. <laughs> no one mentioned the home run. I was like, screw all of you. That was hours of work. You couldn't even be bothered to read it. I hate every one of you. And then at the end of the meeting, they wanted someone to type up more stuff. So of course they're being, like, being the only female in the room. And so I say, Oh no, that's okay. But thank you. And they were like, I'm what? And I said, yeah, I, I didn't have to type with my tits. So any of you can do it too. <laughs> did you say that? And then I did not get the promotion. And that's when I was like, huh. But you had integrity. Might yeah. want to start my own business because I don't think I'm going to make it at this job. <laughs> Talking to my, my friend about this the other day, I said to him, I said, you know, it really kind of bothers me when people find out what I do for a living and then say, oh, it must be nice. And so so now when people say that to me, my answer is, it is. Thank you. They don't know what to say, do they? They don't understand it enough to come out with an actual... I can think of a time when I was really young, you know, like in middle school or high school, and I looked at people who didn't work and I'm using air quotes for those of you that are listening I, that didn't work you know they, they sit at home and you know type on their computer and that growing up on a farm to me that was like oh they're not working yeah what do your family think do they think that you're not really working they know that I work from home they know that I work online but if you gave them a million dollars they could not articulate what I do yeah and they talk to me about it but I can tell that they're just they're like I don't know she you know what I worked in recruitment for 17 years I promise you my mom cannot get her head yeah. around that why would anyone pay you 
to get them yeah. a job like like why would someone just go get their own job why that like as if i'm scamming the world by yeah. taking money off of people um to, to marry people up especially if i don't know exactly what i want to do hmm. i would be like if you could just give me the job of my dreams i will pay you money and now i do have the job of my yeah. dreams i don't need to pay you money but i i would have paid anybody any amount of money because i literally quit that job with no People listening, don't do this. I literally quit that job with no clue, idea, or safety net of any kind. None. But then it always works out, doesn't it? One way or the other. Well, okay. I will, I, again, I don't want. I don't recommend this method for other. I can't take responsibility for this. But for me, I like to eat, and so I was like, I better figure something out because yeah. I need to eat. Necessity so, is the mother of all inventions. I figured it out real thing. quick because. I you because I had to, yeah. and I, I I'm the kind of person that if I had had a million dollars at my disposal, it would not that would, I would there would have been very little motivation for me to 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 do anything. Yeah, and now it's different. Now, no matter how much money I have, I am still motivated because I get great pleasure from helping people and creating new systems and ideas and and figuring out the puzzle of how is this thing going to work. But, but I don't have that same motivation anymore of, oh, crap, I have to eat. I have mm. bills. Like that motivation no longer exists. But when I first started out, that is how I made it work. Do you work mainly with small businesses or do you do much corporate stuff? So basically what I do is I create products that help online entrepreneurs write copy that connects with their soulmate clients and makes them piles of cash. So if you don't know how to write copy, I can show you how to get the words that you need. And then I have a store that's filled with fill in the blank templates. So you can, if you have to write a landing page or a Facebook ad or an email, you can take these Mad Lib style templates. And then I show you how to fill them in so that you can use the same template over and over and over again to write emails or whatever for whatever it is you need. That's what I help people do. I also used to write copy for a living. So I have a company that I'm still kind of white labeling for that I just you know, when they send me work, I do it. And that's, I don't actively pursue, you know, writing copy, but I do sometimes have either really small businesses, like a, like a solopreneur or, you know, big companies that are like, Hey, can you do this for us? Um, I have some, I actually had a company a couple weeks ago that is a Facebook ad company, like a social media company that like markets via Facebook ads for people. And they sent me all of their copywriters to train them how oh, to wow. write copy. And that was a fun day because I got to sit in a room with copywriters where we were all equally excited about, should we use the word that here or not? And then we would so all... is there a separate technique for Facebook ads, do you think? Or is copy copy? Well, the, the basic ingredients are the same. It's kind of like if I was going to bake cookies versus a cake, you, the ingredients are the same, but the techniques can be a little bit different. Uh, the, the trick with Facebook ads is that it's everything's on hyperspeed. Like everything is like the next kind of level because, mm. you know, the research shows you have about six seconds to get people's attention on us. But on Facebook ads, I, I think it's even less than that wow. because I, I can just scroll my thumb a half an inch and see something else. You know, it's so on Facebook, I think it's, it's even more. So, and I always say, I hate to put pressure on that hook, but boy, there is pressure on that hook. You've got to mm -hmm. nail those first couple lines because if I'm not into it by the time I have to click to see more, I ain't clicking to see more. Yeah. And so you've really got to 
capture their, their exact words and the real crux of the issue right off the bat. And that's that your hook, you, is it? That's your hook. You either have to uh, create some real curiosity or really hit them in the feels right off the bat. Because if you don't, you know, if I read an ad, a, a opening line that said, um, you know, got to fire more clients to, or got to fire more employees today, I'd be like, no, I don't scroll. Like, that's <laughs> not me. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I actually don't enjoy chocolate. So if there was one that was like, are you a chocoholic? I'd be like, no, it's not me. And that's fine. That's Sorry, what, hang on, hang on. You don't enjoy chocolate. What? I really, I are you human? Well, that's why my mom always, when this comes up, my mom says, are you sure you're related to, to me? <laughs> yeah. pretty, pretty sure, yeah. I've met a real person who doesn't like chocolate before. It's not that I, like if, I'm, if I ordered strawberries and they came with chocolate on them, that would be fine. If I had vanilla ice cream that had like chocolate squirrel on the top, that would be fine. But I do not, I actually don't really want a bar of just chocolate. Maybe you do like chocolate. It's just you don't like the American chocolate. Because no, had, oh yeah. Because Hershey's is just like that that's disgusting. I don't even know what that those Hershey's I, thing, that flavor of that is doesn't taste like our chocolate. I will say I've had your hobnobs with chocolate on them and those oh, are yeah. lovely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you get those with like hot chocolate and you're you're good to go. That's yeah. delightful. Have you ever been to the UK? I, I went once literally just for vacation. I stayed in Bishop Stortford. Nice. Uh, for a short while, which was really fun because it was like a very small little village. We wanted to experience that instead of just going to London. Hello, Anna here, just interrupting this brilliant podcast to tell you a little bit more about the Academy. So with the Get Savvy Club, we do have a monthly membership called Get Savvy Academy. It isn't open right now, but we do speak throughout this about the Academy and the lovely Becky has done a masterclass in there for us, along with other business experts talking about all different things to do that help you with your business and get you further along with your business. So if you're interested in knowing about the Academy as and when we open it, Go to the show notes. There is a link there and you can join the wait list and we'll just let you know when it's open again. Right, let's get back into the podcast. Did you guys have been to the UK or just in Europe in general? Well, UK, but Europe's interesting. Well, I did once visit Hungary, which was, a, that's a, there's not enough time to tell you that story. But <laughs> to make a very long story short, we were in a Peugeot, which we did not want, but they wouldn't give us a Volkswagen because we were going to Eger, Hungary. And they were like, oh, Volkswagens get stole there all the time. So they gave us a Peugeot. It was winter. Couldn't make it up a hill. Uh, literally, we all got out and we're like pushing this Peugeot up a hill. And it just and, and and to add insult to injury, while we're pushing this Peugeot, a Volkswagen went past us up the hill. And we were like, yeah. Just to translate, it's, I think what you're talking about is a Peugeot, isn't it? Yeah, we say Peugeot. Oh. I love in Peugeot. Peugeot. Well, <laughs> first I thought, oh, it's a word I don't know. Hopefully, Anita knows what that <laughs> word means. And then, then I thought, oh, she means Peugeot. Yeah. Nonetheless, we finally did get where we were going. And this was the day after I had gotten trapped in an elevator oh. and had to climb out through the, the hatch. Oh my God. And when I did, the only door that would open was the top floor. And so when I climbed out, I was in somebody's penthouse. And no. they called the police, obviously. Oh, not nice. And my this was in Austria. And my um 
or in Vienna, I should say. And my German does not cover that situation. Yeah, exactly. How do you not even close? <laughs> and so two of the hottest police officers you've ever laid eyes on show up. And they were like, they asked me if I spoke German. And I, I said, yes, but not well. And they were like, well, then we will speak English. And then, of course, they proceeded in flawless English. Then the next day we had the, the Volkswagen, no Volkswagen incident. And then we finally did make it to Agar Hungary. And I got locked in their grandma's bathroom. And the grandma was like, and she only speaks Hungarian. And of course, my Hungarian was limited to um, thank you. And this is good, which does not cover I'm trapped in your bathroom. <laughs> and she said the door hadn't been locked in like 20 years. And I was like, well, it's locked now. So I don't know what to tell you. And it took them forever to get me out of that bathroom. And I was like, Europe either hates me and needs me to leave or loves me and wants to keep me. And I don't know which. Yeah. yeah and so then, random then events. Then we went to London for 10 days after that. And on the plane ride there, I remember being so like, okay, I've just spent the last two weeks struggling with German and now I'm going somewhere where they speak English and this is going to be easier. No, they do not speak the same English that I speak there. And that was in some ways harder. Did you ask for a Peugeot? Did you I did try to order uh, carry out over the phone to a man who had been born somewhere in Asia and then moved to London. So he had an accent upon top of which he had another accent over the phone. And I was saying like carry out, which is not something that take away. Yeah. And so I was like, so embarrassed, but I was like, I couldn't understand him. So, and then I'm like, this is English. This it's so frustrating. How can we not understand each other? And then I went down to the little shop to order and I still couldn't understand him in person. And I was so mortified. And I finally just like pointed and was like, number four, fuck it, whatever. Give me that food. I don't don't even know what it is. What about differences in culture and language? So say you're writing for people in the U S versus the UK, um, you know, would you take that into account and how do you do that? Yes. And I will tell you, it's harder with a corporation because they tend to be a little uh, more faceless and they, they tend toward the generic a little bit more. In that case, you want to think more about who are we trying to attract and, and express it in their language. It's a little bit easier with a, like a solopreneur or a really small company because if I, you know, if I want to be a Get Savvy member, I know you ladies, I know you're from the UK. So if you're writing everything in the voice of someone from the UK, I'm cool with that because I know who you are but we still want to be hitting the same ideas. It isn't quite as strong as if you are saying it in the exact same way that I would say it, but there is like a, a thin layer of forgiveness there because, because I understand right away, like, Oh, we don't speak the same English. Um, so I prefer, if I have to write for someone from a different culture, I prefer that it be for a small company. Cause like I said, it can be a little bit more challenging with a large corporation. Cause you're kind of, it's a little bit more watered down, um, but large corporations don't love to go out on a limb anyway, most of the time. No. So that makes it, that part makes it a little bit easier, but it's more fun to write for a smaller company because you do have that room to kind of take a few risks, go out on a limb, be more niche. And then if it is someone like the two of you, where it's like, we're both from the UK, then we write things in the voice of someone from the UK. It is a little challenging for an American writer to do that because as much as I try to be aware of, of things, you know, the American English is strong in this one. And I still will write things with S's or Z's when they Mm. should be opposite, or I'm just, there are just expressions of which I'm just not aware that, you know, so that's why um, it's important to have that person then go through it and say, 
like I tried to use the, the phrase deer in the headlights once. And someone from London was like, no, we don't say that. We say hair in the headlights, which makes perfect no, sense. we don't. No, we don't. Well, Basically, the people in London. Maybe rabbit. We would say rabbit. Rabbit in the headlights. But, yeah. Do you know, um, people in London aren't typically like people in the UK. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, they're just... Sorry, they're, people in London. No offence. We're in the UK. Londoners, you're not. Because the people in London are like, do you know what I mean? They're, they're, you can't, they are just different, aren't they? Like, like also, yeah, a different pace yeah. of life. <laughs> but one of the questions that we always ask every uh, guest that comes onto our uh, podcast is um, uh, to recommend a book of your choice. So either a marketing book or business book or personal development book, a book that will um, help our listeners in their business journey. All right. I would recommend Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Um, it's like a, a self-development book. Um, Never heard of that one. Michael yeah. Singer. Oh, so good. It's so good. Uh, it's kind of the idea of that voice in your head that says, oh, you shouldn't do that, or oh, that's not for you, or oh, you're not good enough for that. That's not you. It's the accumulation of stuff that people have told you, ideas that you've brought in and, and are on repeat, but it's not who you are. That's not real. Yeah, yeah if you can, exactly. If you can get in there and, and separate those two things, you're, you're, it will just, it will make your life so much better because yeah i'm going to read that's a great point that, yeah that tape playing in your head now i've mm. just told you how old i am that tape playing in your head that's like tape. you can't do this or, or whatever but yeah I, it was such a i think i highlighted like on every page of that book and as a business owner it's really important to get to grips with that because that's the thing that will hold you back one of our clients ran a mindset challenge last week actually mm -hmm. and it was really good it was just on whatsapp and every day she voice noted like um something for us to do or whatever and one of the things that she was saying was just recognize that voice hear it and just congratulate yourself every time you hear it just be like, oh I noticed that thing and you know just be really basically just being mindful of it and like our minds real real mix of like it's kind of like sometimes it's someone really like awesome motivational go get it and then other times it's like someone really harsh you know like and just like you how you would never There's speak to anybody people. yeah it's like weird it's weird as uh, I run into this all the time with people who do mindset work with their if you are doing mindset work and you're writing copy for it, really think about how your ideal clients feel about mindset work. Because yeah. a lot of people, if they're already into it, if they're already gung ho, if all you have to say is mindset work and they know exactly what you mean, is that really your ideal client? Because yeah. they're probably already doing it. Like, because half the problem is just being aware of the problem. Once you yeah. are, you're on your way to fixing it. So if they're already aware that your mindset is such an important piece to solving the problem. Are they your ideal client? Now, I, there are some people who only want to work with people who know what mindset work is and use that phrase specifically to weed out the people that are interested. And that's fine. But most of the time, if you say, we're going to do affirmations or we're going to do mindset work or we're going to do thought work, you are turning off the very people that yeah. you want to work with. Yeah. So you have to talk about, we're going to use this technique that's going to help you and then give them the big benefit. Again, we're going to bounce a quarter off of your ass. Maybe you don't mention the thousand lunges I'm going to have to do to get there. Yeah. But you you want to talk about what you're going to give them. and How much better not, they'll feel at the end of it. Yeah. Like yeah, what, what they're going to get. Not, yeah. And maybe not mention the thing that, like, like if you have to, I know if I want to lose weight, I personally have to track my calories. I don't like doing it. But if you, if all you want to talk about is the food log, I am so turned off. I am mm. not interested anymore. So you've got to talk about, 
maybe you give the food log a sexy name and you never mention it's a food log and then just tell me how it's going to help me and ditto with mindset work. Maybe we don't call it mindset work. We call it something else. The other question we always ask everybody because we're the Get Savvy Club is what makes you savvy? And you can take that any way you like, business savvy, personal, anything. My ability to keep my tits covered at all times. Barely <laughs> covered. <laughs> Barely not covered. That's key, people. <laughs> no, the real thing that makes me good at my at problem solving, which is what most jobs boil down to, um, is I'm really good at focusing on what matters and ignoring all the stuff that doesn't matter at all. Yeah. If you if you had a relationship problem and you were telling me a 10 minute story, I would be like, wow, nine minutes and 45 seconds of that was crap. But that 15 seconds when you talked about this, that was important. Um, that is a great skill. That is a brilliant is. skill to be, it, to it, recognize it as well and go, no, that doesn't matter. Move, like yeah. leave it. You know, people do ideal client avatars all the time and they're complete crap and totally yep. useless. I don't care if your eyes are blue. I don't care if you drive a Peugeot or a Peugeot or a whatever you drive. Volkswagen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what you drive. Um, all I care about is what is keeping you up at night. It's the only thing that matters. And if I can zero in on that and pull that out of all the other crap that you're throwing at me, my job is done. And you did a masterclass for us in our academy, um, yes. which kind of talked about that and has gone down really well. And yeah, it's well received. Thanks. For I that. referred yeah, to it the other day because. Yeah. We're going through our program and one of the first things is to help people with headlines. And it's not about what you do. It's about how you help people, blah, blah, blah. And they were just kind of really struggling. And I actually said, look, go in. You're in the academy. Go in. Have a look at Becky's masterclass because that's going to help you to zone in on who your ideal client is and what their pain points and how to ask those questions. Your ideal clients will write your copy for you if you let them. Yeah. And so I really encourage people to really listen to your ideal clients and just take all of those exact words and use that in your copy and really zero in on that thing that matters and none of that other crap. It's all crap. It doesn't matter. Just zero in on what they're saying, how, what, how they are experiencing the problem and echo that back to them. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. So that was awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for Becky. We're really sort of joyful that we met her because obviously we were well, well. Yeah, she's yeah. great. She is great. And, uh, and there's so many people that we keep speaking to on our podcast that when lockdown is over and the world gets back to normal we will just be doing like a road trip around america and meeting with all these fantastic people so so grateful that she's on here remember as usual uh, on all these podcast episodes if you rate review and subscribe to the podcast and then take a screenshot of it and share it with us on social media so that could be uh, your social media platform of your choice so Insta- we're on Instagram at Get Savvy Club or you can find um, Anita Baldwin or Anna Geary myself anywhere um, across social media and tag us in it then you could win the book that we've recommended by Becky too but brilliant brilliant podcast as usual and uh, we'll see you all next time take care bye. bye that was Marketing Made Easy the podcast from Get Savvy Club if you enjoyed it join our Facebook group. Just search Get Savvy Club.